Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. I don't know about you, but I'm a person who needs reminders. Anybody else? I'm referred to as the sticky note king um, in my own world. And uh, because I, I have to make notes. Anybody else a note person? You make notes about stuff? Yeah? Okay. You know why I need that? Because, number one, I don't always remember everything. And secondly, I get distracted easily. And uh, so I get distracted by things. You've noticed that about me, I'm sure. But so I have to say, I remember in public school being a daydreamer. Uh, do you recall daydreaming? Did any of you do it while I'm preaching? Yeah, daydreaming. You know, we just sort of drift off somewhere else. I, you know, when I watch the movie every year at Christmas, we have certain movies we'd love to watch. One is The Christmas Story and Ralphie. And Ralphie was a daydreamer. And I thought, you know, sometimes I can so relate to Ralphie. And so I have to stay focused. When I was in school, I had to study. Some of you are just a natural. You read something, you pick it up, you got it. Me, no way. I had to study, study, repeat, repeat, study, study, repeat, repeat. And then I might get a C. And I thought I was doing great. And my older brother wouldn't read anything and get an A. And so when I was in school, we were so close in age, they'd always compare us. No sense, because we were nothing alike when it came to those things. So I want to do a little bit of review reminder today. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20 is the verse we've been, verses we've been sticking with in regards to the discipleship series that we're moving through. And in Matthew 28, we have clearly the words of Jesus that he has spoken to not only the disciples, but to us. And as they're having this moment in time with him before the ascension, uh, Jesus says to them, all authority, say all authority, and heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make what? And what are you supposed to do when you make disciples? What's it say in the Word? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them what? To obey all things that I have commanded you. And then he doesn't end it there. What else does he say right at the very end? What does Jesus say right at the very end? Therefore, no, he says, I am with you always, right? He's with us through the whole process. So the things we have to remember about this, this process that God's called us to, this opportunity in making disciples is the all authority part. That means Jesus has authority over absolutely everything all the time. It never changes. Secondly, in heaven on earth, now Stephen Hawking's just passed away, and there's a lot of discussion about this mind of his and his ability, phenomenal. But as I listened to some of the things said about him, I thought, you know, I don't know if he knew God or not, or if he even recognized God in all of the galaxies, but according to Scripture, Jesus had all authority in heaven on earth. That means the farthest reaching galaxies that we don't even know about. No matter how magnificent our ability or minds are, we still don't know 
the farthest regions that Scripture or the world or the galaxies or the universe composed of. We don't know that, but we do know that all of it is under the authority of Christ. That's what Jesus said. And not only that, He says, given to me. All authority in heaven and earth given to me. Now, think about Jesus, that He was part of the creation story. Let us make man in our image. So, Jesus was there. But we know in Scripture and we know the story where Jesus came, humbled Himself as a man, walked on this earth, and so on and so on, and then suffered horrifically, which we'll be talking about on Good Friday and then Easter Sunday, the celebration. But clearly here, He says, given to me. In other words, everything He had at one time that He relinquished for us was given back. Everything He gave over was given back. He says, been given to me. Therefore, because of those predecessors, those things that go before, go and make disciples. So transfer. So the transfer of my sins and our sins were on Him on the cross for all of mankind. And now He transfers back to us the ability and the authority that He took on on that cross that He suffered and died. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. I'm giving it back to you. So the question we may ask ourselves is, why do we need to go? Why do we need to reach people? Well, if I need reminders, maybe we all need reminders that this great commission is not just a suggestion from Jesus, right? It's kind of like going to a restaurant, and you're looking at the menu, and the waiter or waitress comes up and says, what would you like? And you say, what do you suggest? I don't know about you, but that can go really bad. Because what they might suggest might be something you absolutely hate. And so asking them what they suggest doesn't always work. But Jesus doesn't come with, now, what do you suggest you should do? He says, this is what you should do. He makes it very clear that we are to go and make disciples. And so there's this active work of the personal Lord and Savior in our lives because He has transferred this power and authority to us to go and do what He's commanded us to do. And so the question becomes, how are we doing in the 21st century as a North American church? What's happening in our lives? What's happening in the church's life of North America to go and to reach people? And uh, let's see how we're faring. There's a couple of things I want to read to you. Uh, The first came from our own denomination very recently. Uh, We have in our area uh, regional ministers. And regional ministers are responsible for a number of churches, including ours, Claren Martin. And Claren Martin sent this out uh, on March 12th. He says, uh, the EMC, that's this denomination, is looking to build a list of potential candidates who would make excellent pastors in our congregations. Individuals have a great heart for God and for God's people, leaders who understand disciples and making disciples and who are very trainable. Would you please reflect on who you know from your congregation who might fit this profile? They might still be in high school or Bible college seminary preparing or maybe in the marketplace. So that's the first thing he said. And as I was reading that, you know why he sent that out? Because there's coming a time where we're going to have a lack of pastors. We're going to hit a wall where there's a lack of pastors. And I've never seen an email like that before. 
in all the years I've been pastoring, I've never seen anything like that. So that speaks to one thing. And then statistically, when you think about what's happening out there on the mission field, this is what's going on. As much as we're excited and we're a mission-sending church, praise the Lord, statistically, every year, 5% of the missionary force permanently leave the field. Every year, 5%. Every 10 years, the average mission agency loses or turns over 43% of its workforce every 10 years. Only 24% of missionaries work in unreached people groups. 24%, less than a quarter of all the missionaries are working with the unreached people groups. And I thought, well, all right. Now, what does that say about the church to us, about pastors and missions? Well, here's what it says about the church, statistically. These are just, just a few only 2% of churchgoers ever invite someone to church. Only 2%. So if you have 200 people, what's 2% out of 200? How many? Four. Out of 200 people, four might invite somebody to church. 50% who call themselves evangelicals say, this one blew me away, say that there is more than one way to heaven. 50% of people who call themselves evangelicals say that there is more than one way to heaven. I think Jesus said something about this. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the, and what else did he say? No man, Father, but by me. Hmm, I don't see the options. 80% of the unreached are considered to be open to the gospel. So 2% invite, 80% say they would be open to the idea. 71% say that if they were invited by people who have relationship with them, they probably would accept the invitation. Isn't that interesting? And so I thought, you know, as I was reading this, I thought, well, <laughs> God has clearly called us to go. And God is well aware of these statistics and what's going on in society. But we're struggling. And I thought, why do we struggle to share Jesus? And I thought, well, we have our own fear factor. We either have a fear of going or going in fear. We either have a fear of going or going in fear. We're just not sure. And in Matthew 28, the disciples returned basically... They hid out in an upper room in Jerusalem. They hid out. Why did they hide? Because they were afraid. They saw what happened to Jesus. They knew what happened to John the Baptist. If you knew that your life was threatened, do you ever play hide-and-go-seek? Do people still play that outside? Not a video game. Hide-and-go-seek. Outside. Anybody ever play that? What was the thing you enjoyed the most? Hiding, right? And that was a fun game. But, but when it's your life at stake, you really want to hide, like the movie The Hiding Place. And so these disciples, these early believers at that time, Jesus told them about 
the upper room. Jesus, in the sense of you need to come together to pray, he told them to wait in Jerusalem. We'll look at that. But, but I wonder what was gripping their hearts. I wonder what kind of stories they were telling. Were they whispering? Were they watching as each one went and who was coming and who's at the door? And don't get caught and, and be careful out there. And they're looking for us. And, and this is dangerous. Sounds like Chinese Christians today. Sounds like persecuted Christians today. Same thing. And so here's this, this fear factor somewhat struggling. Do I stay or do I go? Should I leave? Should I hang in there? What should I do? And as I was contemplating that in my own mind, trying to picture the story and being there, I thought, God has not changed in the moment in time of what He's commanded to do. He looks beyond our struggles and tells us what He wants us to do. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, before the ascension, even before Matthew 28, okay, this is before Matthew 28. If we read it chronologically, we would read Acts 1 before we would read Matthew 28. And Acts 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the question we have to ask ourselves, why is this so significant? Why is Jesus saying this? They have their marching orders from Jesus. They know what they're supposed to be doing. There has been a time in history, if you go back into the Gospels, we see clearly at one point Jesus sent out the twelve. And then again, the 72. And then again, 120. He sent them out to go and do things. And the first time the 12 came back, they were so excited. We laid hands on the sick and they recovered. We told people about you and amazing miracles were happening, Jesus. It was the most astonishing thing we've ever seen. They're just like up here somewhere. And Jesus has a way of just all of a sudden bringing reality to it. And he said, he didn't even respond to that. He said, be thankful that you're your name is written in the book of life. And it's like, oh, bummer, dude. Like, we were so excited. And he wasn't putting them down. He was just saying, let's, let's keep our eyes on what really matters. Lost souls. You lay your hands on the sick and you do all those things. But now there's something changing. The, the marching orders are, are a little bit different. In Acts 1, 7 and 9, he said to them, it is not for you to know, they're questioning, you know, when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. In other words, when things would change for Israel. He goes back to the same point. But you will receive. Say, will receive. Now, when you say will receive, what does that mean to you? You will receive something. Right? It's like getting one of those things from the mail, and you know you got to go pick up the parcel. You will receive it when you walk in and you put that piece of paper down and it says, hey, I'm here to pick up a parcel. You will receive it. It's there. And Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so as Jesus is saying these words, and if I was one of those disciples listening, I still would be unsure of what it really meant. What is Jesus talking about? 
He talked about in John 16, 17, and 18, he talks about the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and what the comforter would look like and so on, but they're still struggling. This Acts chapter 1 is starting to unfold before them, but they had no idea what would happen. That's what's so exciting about walking your life for Jesus. You have no idea what's going to happen. You have no idea who you're going to run into who all of a sudden this door opens and you can share the life of Jesus with someone. And it's not, I, I appreciate Brooklyn when she's going the ABCs. I thought, yeah, that's so true. It's a North American mindset that we have to go, okay, first you got to, you know, do this. Then you got to get them to hear. Then you got to get them to say the sinner's prayer. And then once they said the sinner's prayer, and now they're following Jesus and I can move on. And I go with my ABCs. Well, that's not what Jesus was saying here. Not at all. Not at all. They knew they couldn't fulfill. They knew they couldn't fulfill what Jesus was asking and commanding them to do in their own wisdom, experience, and strength. And to me, this is where the church in general, I'm part of that, has failed. We have tried to win people through programs. I'm not against programs. But if that's all they are, then that's all they are. We've tried to win people through pamphlets, and occasionally that has worked. But it's winning people by power in the Holy Spirit that changes the world. There's no question about it. As a matter of fact, that's what Jesus said had to happen. Because he knew in their own wisdom and strength, they just couldn't fulfill what the Father had planned. His spiritual promise for the spiritual power had to come so they could reach all peoples. Because still they're afraid. To me, this is when they became followers who were all in. Who were all in. Jesus said very clearly in the Revelation... He said, you're either hot or you're cold. You're either all in or you're not. He says, if you want to walk this thing you call a fence, that lukewarm area, I will literally spit you out of my mouth. So he's saying to us today, just like he was saying then, nothing has changed. You're either all in or you're not. And I want to tell you, in this nation of Canada, the days are coming, you better be all in. When our government is trying to put pressure on us to sign something that we do not agree with, it goes against all of the things in the charter, and yet it's being pushed through. So yes, do we fast, yes, do we pray, but you know who's in control? God Almighty. But... That's not an excuse, or I can sit back in the sweet by and by if I'm not all in. And then it happened in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, the sound like the blowing of a mighty wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and set and rested on each of them. All of them there were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. 
And if you read on, there's a crowd there because they're there from all over the region for the celebration of Pentecost. And as they're celebrating this, the Holy Spirit falls just as Jesus had promised, just as His Word had said. And when this happened, everybody around there is trying to figure out what's going on. I want to tell you, when you're all in for Jesus, people want to know what's going on. They want to know what is different about you than somebody else. And as these early believers were speaking in tongues so that all the peoples that were there, all the different languages represented, were hearing the gospel, hearing the good news in their own language, they were trying to figure out what's going on. And there was one man who at one point denied Jesus, and his name is who? Peter. And Peter stood up and preached the first sermon. And at the end of that sermon, by the power of the Holy Spirit, these people were brought to their knees, their hearts were rendered, and they said, what do we need to do to be saved? And how many were added to their number that day? 3,000 were added to their number that day. Hallelujah. You talk about renewal and revival. Man, oh, man. And it's all because there was a group of people who said we're willing to be all in. And when we don't even know what that looks like, and we have no idea about the Holy Spirit, but we do know this, that we can't do it without Him. We're going nowhere fast here. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, without a doubt, my own personal experience has been that commissioning, that call that launched me into ministry was the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that is also why God called us here, to help Womont Center embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I want to say to us as a church, I became part of the denomination in 1991. They didn't know what to do with us, so they sent us to Pembroke. The first question they asked us, they said, do you like the north? We said, yeah. They said, good. So it was uh, predestined, I guess. <laughs> anyway, we were sent to the north. And one of the things we learned, two things, once when we were there was that was a church that was, was with Bill Smith, who at the time in the Holy Spirit fell back in the hippie days. There was the Jesus movement. How many came to Christ in the Jesus movement? Anybody here? No? Nobody in the Jesus movement? Two people? Four people? Do you know what I'm talking about? You, you know, this is so crucial. Why? Because there are seasons and times where God just pours out His Spirit in unmeasurable ways. And we need that again. We need that again. I don't, it has nothing to do if you're a millennial or you're a boomer or all the other tags. It has nothing to do with it. That's our idea, not God's. And so in, in that crazy time of hippies, in that church, they experienced a move of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things as I circled in this denomination I heard about Wilmot Center was this was a church that was open and moving in the things of the Spirit. 
But I want to tell you, church, there's a difference between talking about it and doing it. There's a huge difference. And I believe we live in a time where God is saying it's going to be that great move of the Spirit that's going to change a nation. And wouldn't it be awesome if He started right here? Right here. Why not? Why not? If He can do it in Pembroke or He can do it in Toronto, He can do it right here. But you know what He's looking for? People who are all in. That's not a judgment. That's a calling. He says, go and reach all peoples. And in my travels, I want to say to you that uh, as I'm heading to go Ethiopia in, well, about a month from now, I, I will not be surprised in one way. Because what I have seen in countries I've traveled is where the Holy Spirit is being poured out, the church is growing. When there's a form of religion, the church is dying. Where there's a form of religion and legalism, the church is dying. But where the church has experienced the things of the Holy Spirit, amazing things. In the 1900s, there were one million Pentecostals worldwide. In 2017, there are now 699 million Pentecostals. In 2050, that far away, they expect that there will be 1.25 billion African believers who are Pentecostal. That's one out of every eight people in the world. And folks, that's not religion. That's a relationship with a mighty Savior through the power of the Holy Spirit. So where are we at today? Well, I don't know about you, but if we're going to fulfill the great commission of Jesus, like those earlier followers, we need an Acts chapter 2 experience. All of us need an Acts 2 experience. If they needed it, why do we think we don't? If Jesus said they needed the fullness of the Spirit to do what He called them to do, why would I think I wouldn't? I remember when I was talking to a professor at, at Emmanuel Bible College, she eventually went on to seminary when we were in Pembroke, and she came up one night for a Sunday service back in those Sunday service days when the Holy Spirit was, was being moved all through the Ottawa Valley from the airport movement in 92. And one night after one of those evening services where God was just doing so many amazing things that night, she wanted to go to Dairy Queen. And uh, it was open to midnight. It was the only thing in Pembroke open that late. And so we went to, we went there. And um, we got something. There was four of us in the car. And I was sitting in the back seat, in the front seat, I guess. And she was in the back seat. And she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, I'm really worried about the church. And I said, why? She said, because I'm in seminary. I'm working on my doctorate. And they're draining all of the Holy Spirit and Jesus out of me. And I'm really worried about the church. She said, I came here. I drove from Kitchener to be with you, especially tonight, so I could get filled up again. I want to tell you, there's a hungry people out there. 
And if this is where the Spirit is being poured out, they're going to come. If this is a place where you can be fed and filled and fired up, they're going to come. It's not because of, of us, it's because of Him. And so that night in that little car at the outside of that restaurant, we laid hands on her and prayed for about half an hour for the infilling, the freshness of the Holy Spirit, that she could go through that and not walk away from her faith. You're either all in or you're not. I'm either all in or I'm not. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to go and reach all people in Jerusalem, Judea, in Baden, New Hamburg, wherever you're from. All of us need the fresh wind and the fresh fire of the Holy Spirit. It's been God's plan from the beginning. I want you to think about this. When we embrace the things of the Spirit, when we are open and say, Lord, I will walk this out, I will be all in, I will do what you want me to do, there's two things. It's a personal win. It's a personal win. Why? Because now you're walking in things of the Spirit. Paul said, do not walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. Do not walk in the old nature. And boy, we battle the old nature, the selfish pride, my way or the highway stuff. It's a personal win when we walk in the things of the Spirit, and it's a public win. Why? Because we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the hurting world. And I want to tell you, God is just convicting me of this more and more and more, that every person I meet, I need to share in some way if I say nothing else but God loves you. If I say nothing else, God loves you. Is that true? So think of the people we all meet at Tim Hortons in the drive-thru. Braden and I went and got shots, more shots. Man, oh man, I'm so pumped full of stuff. I think a lion might bite me and die. I mean, it's just crazy. And Matt, he's had, well, I don't know if he's had all his shots or not, but they thought it might help them. Um, but I'm saying this because this nurse was trying to figure this out, again, asking, why Ethiopia? Why are you going to Ethiopia? This is a nurse we hadn't had, a great opportunity just to tell her. And as we were wrapping up there, I was saying, Lord, what do I say to this nurse? And the Lord said, say, I love her. That's all you got to say. You know, I didn't leave the four spiritual laws. I didn't walk through the whole thing of salvation. But I just felt the Lord saying, just, just tell her I love her. Because so many people don't hear that. And so I just took her hands and I looked in her eyes. And she just lives up the road here. Because we got talking about this church. She goes, I know that church. I said, yeah. She goes, I drive by it every day. I said, really? I said, well, we live right beside the church. I have no idea where that is. That's what she said. So I just took her hands, I looked right in her eyes, and I just said, God loves you. When you're all in, you're all in. When we're all in, we're all in. 
And we're listening for the Holy Spirit to give us the words and the strength and the power to do what He's commanded us to do, to reach all people, every single person. And as a church, we're called to respond. He calls us to these things. Thank you for our children's ministry and our young people and the adults and everybody who was involved. Stuart made, uh, Stuart Smith made, I don't know, 400 cookies or some crazy thing. Maybe Diana helped. I don't know. And you had coffee and you had hot chocolate and free skating for two hours. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. But the exciting thing to me was eavesdropping. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't be. Probably not, but I did. Why? Because I was listening to some of the conversation of people not from the church, people who were there just thanking and wondering why we were doing this. And there were all of our people in their orange shirts. And I thought, man, there we are. That's what we're supposed to be doing, and we'll be doing more of that out in public. But boy, oh boy, it's not going to be the program. It's not going to be the skating. It's not going to be the coffee, cookie and the coffee. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That if somebody is standing in that line to get a hot chocolate and they say, I've got a back problem, we say, can we pray for you? Lord, help us. To go all in. And you say, what happens if I pray for them and they're not healed? Well, what would happen if you didn't pray? Do you ever think about that? Don't look at the cup half empty. Look at it half full. Man, oh man, pray for them. The funeral we were having here this past week and, and for Mr. Cressman and, and the caterers were there and the guy, and I, they had the curtains drawn into the little library and, and I was just walking back from my office to go back in there and I saw this man sitting there and he's all bent over and he's stretching and his daughter's standing there talking to him and I talked to them a little bit and thanking them for being here and what they were doing and I said, what's wrong? And he said, oh, my back, I just, if I'm standing too long, it really acts up. I just need to stretch it out a bit. And I said, well, you keep stretching. I'm going to start praying. And his daughter goes, well, that'd be good. He's a believer, but he needs prayer. I thought, even if he wasn't a believer, he needs prayer. Probably more so. So I laid hands on him and prayed for him. And I said, is it any better? He says, well, a little bit. And I said, well, let's just let God continue to do what he's doing. He says, well, I just need to stretch it out a bit. I said, well, you keep stretching. We'll keep praying. And then, then, his, then he went out, and his daughter standing there with tears in her eyes. I said, what's wrong? And she said, do you know there's a lot of the people that are here who don't know Jesus? And praise the Lord, Pastor Wayne brought a message that they could know Jesus. And I said, well, let's hold hands right now and pray for people. She said, oh, let's do that. And I said, you know who they are. You pray, and I'll agree with you. Okay. I don't even know who she was. I do know she was a believer, and she was worried about people who were lost. She was all in. That's us, folks. We're like the 120 in that upper room. We're waiting, saying, Lord, pour out your spirit again. Fresh wind, fresh fire, come. Lord, the church needs to be renewed in the things of the Spirit. And so, as I conclude, the worship team's going to come. And when God said to April and I to come to Wilmot Center, He clearly spoke to us. And He said that 
Your life is his witness, and his witness is your life. And that's what you need to live. And so we trust the Lord to continue to do what he wants to do here, but beyond here to reach all people with Jesus. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.